Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Welcome, 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 and thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. It's your host, Monique. I'm so excited to have you, so excited for you to be here, and so excited for us to join together on this week's episode with September Burton. But before that, just a few quick announcements. If you could do me the honor, friend, of rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast and letting everyone out there in podcast know how much you enjoy the podcast and giving your honest feedback on the podcast. It will trick the system into believing that I'm creating some great content here and it makes the reach even farther with your rating and review on Apple iTunes. Also, you can get your natalist prenatals and Omega DHA with the link in today's episode. It is an affiliate link where I earn a small commission at no extra cost to you. I am currently taking natalist prenatals Omega DHA and as well as their COQ10. I'm really, 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 really liking their prenatals. Pretty easy on the stomach with a light snack or meal when you take it. Reasonably priced. That link in today's show notes and purchase your own prenatals and Omega DHA with Natalist. Don't forget to follow me on IG, guys, and Fertility and Me podcast. If you'd like to connect further and get more fertility and infertility related content on a weekly, daily basis, you can also text me at 443-569-0642 with your comments, questions, and feedback. If you don't feel like sending me an email, which you can also do as well, of course, at infertilityandme at outlook.com. And today's guest, And today I wanted to try something new with you guys, and that is just taking a moment, friend, to slow down and to release all triggers from today going into the weekend. And if you could just, for a moment, take in a deep breath, friend, through your nose, out through your mouth. Breathe in positivity, worthiness, and breathe out negativity, ill thoughts toward ourselves and our spouses. Breathe in, friend, you are worthy, you are enough, and you are capable. Breathe out. Fear, anxieties, and sadness. Let's do that one more time. Breathe in. Long breath in and out through the mouth. I just wanted to take that moment of silence as we go into today's episode. And so we can clear our minds. If you're driving, I hope that you were able to still do the breathing. I know that you cannot close your eyes and do that, but I just felt it was necessary for today. And maybe we'll continue to do it week after week. Let me know how you feel about it. And today's guest is Ms. September Burton. She is a former chef for 
four-star admirals, and she was stationed in Sicily. She has since shared her expertise and passion for nutrition as a reoccurring guest on 93.9 KCMJ radio show, Happy News Now, and developed a six-week eating for fertility nutrition plan for prospective parents. She is a mother of seven, founder and CEO of Four Months to Fertile, working with couples and mothers struggling with primary or secondary infertility, and is the organizer of the first ever Colorado Fertility Conference. September is passionate about living a life of purpose, sharing her knowledge on the healing power of food, and empowering and freeing women from the debilitating shame and guilt that often accompanies domestic violence. And here's September. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. I have with me today Ms. September Burton. She is a fertility coach, motivational speaker, and former chef. And she also teaches nutrition for fertility as well to her clients. So thank you, September, so much for coming on, dear. I do appreciate you reaching out and connecting with me so that we can uh, get acquainted with one another and then also talk about ways we can better our fertility journeys, too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. So you have your own story with fertility struggles. Um, And when did that begin for you? Uh, That would have began, let's see, 2010. Um, so I was, I had three kids already and, uh, my husband at the time went to Afghanistan. Um, he got, he was a civilian contractor and he got called over to Afghanistan. So he was gone for a year. So I was taking care of the kids while he was gone. And then when he got back, I kind of accidentally or unintentionally got pregnant and it, you know, lost that baby very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, by the time the pregnancy was gone, um, I was already excited the prospect of having a fourth child you know so even though it wasn't intentional it was like very quickly where it was like oh okay this is cool we're gonna have another baby um and so then I lost that baby and so then we decided to try like you know we were excited at the prospect so we tried and we lost we ended up losing three more pregnancies so it was just back to back to back um recurrent miscarriages and I just couldn't continue a pregnancy and so it was it was a hard time to say the least it was difficult Wow. Did you ever, did you ever um, get testing done to find out what the re- cause of your recurrent miscarriages were from a medical they standpoint? A, they did a little bit of testing, but not much. I did go in and I ended up finding some lumps in my breast at that time. And so when I, you know, I did go in for the lumps and get the mastectomy done or not mastectomy, I'm sorry, the, um, what's, <laughs> what's the test that they do? Oh yeah, the, the um when they do the breast scanning and such when they yeah yeah they the scan push your boobies together yeah with yeah, the um, X ray yes oh my god it hurts <laughs> yes, it does hurt it's awful so I did get that done and they they came back that you know everything was fine they were just um just some cysts in there basically so um but it was kind of it seemed like it was related. And so I never, they never did extensive testing. You know, my, the only thing that my midwife said was the next time you get pregnant, just come in right away and we'll give you a shot of progesterone to see Mm -hmm. if that'll help the pregnancy stick. I'm, I'm a researcher by nature and I want to understand the root cause of things. And so that wasn't a good enough answer for me. I didn't, I didn't go along with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I basically was like, okay, let me do some research. Let me learn what's actually going on. And so that's what I did. I kind of came to the conclusion that my issue was a vitamin A deficiency. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started focusing on some superfoods that have a lot of vitamin A in them. And uh, and then I was able to get pregnant and stay pregnant. Wow. So did you do like your own trial and error with food? And did you do like a testing panel on yourself? 
Uh, I didn't do the testing panel. I just went off of symptoms. I got a very odd rash on my chest, mm -hmm. which um, was indicative of a vitamin A deficiency. And then, um, gosh, it was so long ago now, I can't even remember. There were a few symptoms okay. that when I pieced it together, one of one of the things that I'm good at is taking little bits of information and piecing things together and kind of getting to the root cause in okay. that way. Um, so when I pieced everything together, it was like, this is a vitamin A deficiency. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, at the moment, I can't even remember what the other symptoms were. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So did you, um, did you guys ever have a fourth baby or you just, or you just stopped trying really? I have seven children now. You have seven now. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So when you corrected your vitamin A deficiency, you were able to successfully carry the term and everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. You guys got a nice big family to take care of you guys when you get old, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so you were in the Navy and you were also a chef before going into the coaching and mentoring space for fertility and nutrition. So tell us about your journey with being a chef and how the light bulb kind of went off to go into the fertility space. Was that during the time of your recurrent miscarriages? No, I was a chef. So I joined the Navy at 19. I did four okay. years. I got out at 23. I, did, I had my first baby at 25. Um, so what happened was I joined the Navy and I got called to this air crew duty, which was basically I was the personal chef for four-star admirals only on the airplane. So um, we were stationed in Europe and every time he would fly anywhere, you know, I was on the plane to cook his meals while we were flying. Um, and so that was basically, you know, and what got me into the nutrition was that up to that point, I cared about what the food tasted like, like that was the only thing that mattered. And then the second admiral that I worked for, he was very, very health conscious. And um, when I say health conscious to the point where he was a runner mm -hmm. and he would actually wear his running clothes on the airplane so that the second we landed, he could go for runs on the runway while he was waiting for us to shut the plane down and you know take care of everything. Um, so he wanted, he cared about the health aspect of the food. He wanted us to cook him nutritious meals. And so we really had to go back to the drawing board and learn what that meant because Navy chefs are not, you know, Navy chefs are the ones who cook for the president of the United States mm -hmm. and all of that, but we're not taught about health. Um, right. so that was, that was a completely foreign concept to all of us. So we had to, you know, relearn and understand what that meant, what exactly he wanted us to cook for him. Um, and that was the beginning of kind of the, the wheels turning in my head of like, well, okay, so you're supposed to care about what the food does once it gets inside of your body. You know, food is not just there to fill your stomach and make the hunger go away. It's there to nourish you. So that's when the wheels started turning. Um, the recurrent miscarriages didn't happen until 2010. So there's quite a bit of space in between there. But I had started going to nutrition school. I had been in the dietetic program. Um, so I had been on the nutrition journey for a while. Mm -hmm. I just hadn't learned yet how to use food to heal. In the dietetic programs, they teach you about how to count fat grams, how to count calories, but they don't teach you how to use food to actually heal. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So did you have to do like a, um, you know, that school, the integrative uh, nutrition school, the really yeah. big one online, was it something like that that you took later on to help you yeah. learn how to heal the body with food? Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And your love for food was already there before your miscarriages and such and 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 all that and and, and healing. So was it after your miscarriages that you started uh, learning more or had you done it before with the learning holistic health 
and in, in, in eating oh. intentionally? I had already started my business. Um, and so I was, I was working with people and teaching them, you know, how to control your blood pressure, how to control your blood sugar, you know, things like that um, through food. And so I kind of thought to myself, you know, I'm teaching other people how to do these things. Why can't I use these tactics on myself and see if I can, you know, bring up my vitamin A stores and heal my body and get my body to back to a fertile state. And so that was kind of the journey there. So I, I had already been working in the field, but I hadn't really, really focused on myself yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when, when did the light bulb go off for you for fertility? I know it was after your miscarriages, but was there a specific moment where you were like, I need to help other people, other women or other couples along their fertility journey so they can avoid, you know, these reoccurring miscarriages and all this pain and agony, you know, with dealing with that? Yeah, so it was a lot of, you know, my own emotional pain that I had experienced and then watching family members and friends go through infertility mm -hmm. and seeing just how common it is and, you know, how unfortunate that it is that common because it is such a deep shame and pain that you experience when you go through that. So after watching, you know, myself and then all of these other people, mm -hmm. there was kind of that moment where it was like, if it worked for me, why wouldn't it work for them? Yeah. So let me go out and help them and give some assistance elsewhere. So yeah. that was, I don't know that there was a specific moment or if it was just sort of an evolutionary thing yeah. okay. that led to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so where you, where, when, you, when you're coaching and your clients and you have a new client and they're kind of leery about, you know, whether it's going to work or, you know, we see it all the time on social media with people being nutrition coaches in the fertility space. But I think sometimes, like you say, you know, we just, we eat because we like it. We love the taste and stuff. And we don't think about the nourishment part of it as much as we probably should here in the, in the States, right? So yes. do you find it difficult to help people transition their mindset into thinking about food in a different way? It's extremely difficult. Um, the best way I ever heard it put is that people are as attached to their beliefs around food as they are to their religious and political beliefs. Mm, so, um, yeah. And it's very true because, you know, you go back to what your mom cooked you when you were a kid. And that's so comforting. Even when you're a grown adult trying to have children of your own, that still comforts you. And so one of the things that I love to do with the people that I work with is take those kinds of recipes, like, you know, whatever it is, um, your mother's macaroni and cheese or whatever it is that you just loved and that's your comfort and that brings that, that emotional space to you and take those recipes and tweak them to make them actually healthy recipes, but then you're still getting the same food. Because food is so, so emotional. Um, everything about food, food, food defines cultures, food defines everything. I mean, we spend how much of our lives eating every single day. And so to think that we can just take that away and completely change somebody's outlook on food and everything that they eat is kind of silly, really. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would think it would be difficult because it's the consistency of eating this, that, you know, the nutritional value of food every day. It's yeah. hard to stop coffee. So, you know, yeah. changing up your whole diet. I, I, yeah, I could see that being like an evolution for a lot of people in reprogramming the mind. Is that where you normally start with the, with the thought process and, and not necessarily jumping right into making better food choices? Well, first off, let me touch on the coffee real quick. Coffee is actually not a bad thing. Coffee, it's okay. just a digestive aid. So if you drink coffee, you drink high quality first off. Right. Gotcha. After a meal, that's what it's designed for. It's designed to help you digest the food that you've just eaten. So it's not designed to give you a pick-me-up in the first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. That's not how you want to drink coffee. 
but coffee in and of itself is not a bad thing. Um, but where I start with people is more about having them keep a food journal. Because like I said, one of my strengths is taking little pieces of information and finding patterns and bringing it all back together. So what I do is I have people keep a food journal for two weeks, write down absolutely everything that you eat. And then you're writing down your emotional state and your physical state. You know, are you tired? Do you have aches and pains? Um, and then emotionally, are you happy? Are you sad? Do you feel, you know, what are you feeling? Um, and when we write all of that information down, we can go back and we can find patterns and say, look, when you did this, you got a headache 12 hours later. And look, every time you eat this food or drink this drink, you're getting a headache 12 hours later. And so when you can start to show people that and make those connections for them, mm -hmm. then it starts to become more personal okay. and they feel more in control. And so then it's easier to work with them to get them to change some of their other eating habits. Mm, that's good stuff right there. I hope you guys are taking notes. That's really good stuff. Wow. That's, um, and I consider myself pretty health conscious, but yeah. Okay. I've, I've done the food journaling, like in apps and keeping what I'm trying to keep track of, um, caloric intake. Um, I've done that in the past. I don't do it anymore. I think it's more harmful than good to count calories. So I, I don't practice it anymore. <laughs> I don't practice it anymore. And so, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, man, on my fertility journey, I was trying it all, you know, I was trying, you know, you know how we do, we're not yeah. informed properly, you know, kind of ignorant to what's truth and what's not. So yeah, that's, that's, um, that's really good information. And so for people who are looking to, cause I do, I do know some people who are looking to jump right into making nutritional changes. What, is there a specific way that you go about helping people uh, navigate that when they're like the jump in head first kind of person and they maybe want to um, like, want, let's see, for instance, recently I told everybody on Instagram, I was like, consider um, a vegan meal option once a day to replace meat and having mm -hmm. so much meat at every meal. Do you kind of do that sort of a thing when they really want to jump in head first and are looking to start strong with at least one meal of the day and not necessarily all three? First off, I love your Instagram page. Your Instagram page. <laughs> Thank I you, love dear. it. So anybody who's not on there needs to get on there. But um, <laughs> as far as, I actually have a six-week clean eating plan. And so if somebody is really like gung-ho, I want to get this, get the six-week plan because it lays out every single meal that you're going to eat for those six weeks, your shopping lists, your um, recipes, all of that stuff. And that's the way that I prefer to go just because it makes everybody's life easier. Like it's all laid out for you. Um, if somebody's just sort of looking for tips and like really, really um, in uh, not intense, but the most potent tips, the most mm -hmm. potent thing that you can do just to change your own diet by yourself. Um, number one, the research coming out about trans fats and what trans fats do to fertility mm -hmm. are is pretty incredible. Um, so stay off of trans fats. They destroy fertility. Um, and trans fats means a lot of vegetable oils and the hydrogenated oils. So the shortenings and things like that. And, you know, keep in mind that zero grams of trans fats doesn't necessarily mean zero grams of trans fats. It's okay. just, there's a threshold. So, you, you know, I encourage people to cook because if you cook your own food, you know exactly what's going into it. So I'm really into encouraging people to learn how to cook. Another one is sugar. Sugar mm -hmm. absolutely destroys the immune system and it destroys your um, hormone balance. And so it's really... You know, and in light of COVID right now and everything that's going on with COVID, I feel like 
we should be having a very strong conversation right now about how to boost your own immune system. You know, everybody is into the masks and um, hand sanitization and all of that, which is fine. There's that's great, but we should also be focused on boosting our own immune systems. And sugar destroys your immune system, and that goes back to fertility because you have to have a very strong immune system to be able to carry a baby. A weak immune system is a cause of infertility. So. That's interesting. I've never heard anybody say or speak about immune immunity and fertility. And it makes a whole lot of sense though when you think about it because you're less likely to be sickly when your immune system has enough nutrients stored up, I guess. Would stored be the correct term in, in building immunity? Like your body stores up enough of such and such, uh, A, C, Ds, vitamins and things like that. How does that normally work with immunity? Yeah, for sure. I mean, vitamin D is huge for your immune system. Um, but really, at the end of the day, the immune system affecting fertility has a lot to do with the immune system and fertility. You know, if you take into account that your body basically has two separate modes, your body being able to uh, uh, cope and live, live life. Um, and those are one survival mode. So your body, if your body is in survival mode, then you're not in reproductive mode. Um, reproducing comes after surviving because if you can't maintain your own body long enough to be able to take care of that child, then your body naturally shuts down. Your body is extremely intelligent. And so, um, so if your immune system is low, then that brings your rate of survival down, um, which means that your body may, may well shut down, may well shut itself down from reproducing until you build up your immunities again and um, get yourself stronger so that you can be around to raise that child. And that goes for both men and women, especially, I guess would be especially for men since they reproduce sperm, what, every 70, 70 to 90 days or something like that? Is that, yeah. that does apply to both, right? Man and female. It does apply to both. And I'm really big on the, I don't want to just work with the woman. Um, yeah. If I'm going to work with a couple, I want to work with both people. At the beginning, when I first started, mm-hmm. I would just work with women. And what I found is that it's it's really, really hard. If their partner is not completely supportive, mm-hmm. then it's incredibly difficult to get the results that you're seeking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does have to be very cohesive and everything like working together and everybody working together. Yeah. But, it really doesn't make sense for one partner to be gung-ho about health and the other one not taking it seriously either. Yeah, that's a hard yeah. lesson, though, I think a lot of times for men, especially dealing with their egos and stuff, since they're so ego driven. And, you know, we come into it like, hey, come on, you got to get those sperm together, babe. Let's get it together, you know. <laughs> and they, there's some interesting information coming out about sperm, too. They've actually just recently done some studies that have found that um, fetal alcohol syndrome can actually be caused by the sperm. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily the mother drinking after the pregnancy, always. I mean, that does cause it, that is a cause. Yeah. But, um, but uh, it can also be caused by the sperm. So, you know, guys, you got to pay attention to your sperm. You really do. Mm, well, I guess it's no different than use than recreational marijuana use. They said that um, could affect men's sperm count and lower it if it's like excessive and it's not in moderation. And it, yeah. yeah. So, and sodas and stuff, carbonated sodas like that with all that sugar in it, like you were saying. So that makes sense that it would, yeah, that makes sense when you think about it. It's like, like you say, you got to put the pieces together, man, and and take those small bits of information and connect them. And that's kind of hard sometimes, I think, when we're going through fertility and trying to deal with the emotional part of it, too. Do you help your, I I know I read on your website, too, that you do offer coaching. So is that dealing with more of the emotional side of the fertility journey and not just your nutritional services, too? 
So for the emotional side, I actually have a separate program that you can, you can access as part of the program if you sign up for the nutritional coaching, but it's, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, you know, trained or licensed in any way to help people with their emotional state. So there is a separate six week program that's based in cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. And, um, and it's all about journaling your emotions and things like that. But I kind of, I let that piece be handled by the professionals on that side, because that's not, I'm right. not a professional in that way. Yeah. So, but it is there, it is an option for you when you enter um, the nutritional program the nutritional program. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know I saw it on the website, but I, I wasn't sure. That's why I wanted to ask and, and clarify with you to get yeah. your understanding so that when everybody goes on the website, they can have, they already know going into it that this is what it is and that you like to focus mainly on the nutrition because that's what you've been um, studying most of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So if you had any tips that are outside of what we already talked about with sugar and in our immune, our immune systems and cutting back on those things, refined processed foods and trans fats and stuff. What else would you want to leave us with today and take away with everything that we've spoken about, about nutrition? But I guess, because some people feel like it's so overwhelming when they stepping into the nutritional aspect and trying to get their bodies healthy. How can, how can they minimize that overwhelm while they're on their journey and trying to physically become stronger too? Um, especially for women, because I feel like we, our bodies sometimes take a longer time to process things. And men, I like my husband, he can change his eating habit and like next week he's dropped 15 pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not fair, right? It's so not fair. Their testosterone, man, is just like incredible when, once it gets going. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. So do you get into the hormones sometimes with progesterone and nutrition and how we can eat those foods that provide that for us? Absolutely. Well, a big thing with progesterone is that it's um, progesterone and cortisol, which is your stress hormone, are made mm-hmm. from the same mother hormone. So you've got pregnenolone, which makes cortisol and it makes progesterone. Okay. So if your pregnenolone is completely focused on making cortisol, which means you're stressed out, then it doesn't make progesterone. And so your body doesn't, it just simply stops making it or makes very, very little of it because it doesn't, your body is has a finite amount of resources when it comes to making hormones and things like that. So you've got to lower your stress levels. And that's a big part of why I do the, um, the, the emotional health piece too, because fertility, infertility causes a tremendous amount of stress, right? And then it only exacerbates the whole cycle that's already been going on. So focusing on that and lowering your stress levels is key, number one. Um, but also, you know, to actually raise your progesterone levels, um, we've got superfoods that do that. One of the things that I teach a lot is that there's a superfood combination, mm-hmm. and that's cam- camu camu berry. Are you familiar with that one? You said camu berry? Camu camu berry? No, I've never heard of that one. So that's a berry that grows in the Amazon. In, in the States, you get it as a powder. Um, you can okay. find it in health food store or whatever. And you just add like a teaspoon or two of that to um, a smoothie or something like that every day. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it actually, one of the hard parts about cortisol is that it gets into your cells and it kind of stays there. Okay. And um, so just like um, cortisol and progesterone have the same mother hormone, they also are very similar structurally. So they go into the same receptors. So if your if your progesterone receptors are full of cortisol, mm-hmm. then the progesterone can't get in there to do its job. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a, a double-edged sword where one, you're not making enough, and then two, it can't even get into the receptors even when you do make it. So if you do the camu camu berry, that actually gets inside your cells and cleans out that cortisol. 
and frees up those receptors to be available for progesterone. Um, and then if you, so you've got the camu camu berry doing that job. Mm -hmm. And then if you eat maca, um, I'm sure, are you familiar with that one? Which one? Maca. Oh, maca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M-A-C-A, right? ECA, yeah. Yep. So that one um, actually gets in there and can help your progesterone levels be increased. And it helps your body function hormonally in a more efficient way, just the whole way down. Your hormone system, you know, starts at the top and kind of works its way down at the pituitary gland down to um, your adrenals. And so if you do the maca, that helps that whole system function more effectively. So if you combine those two things, you're cleaning out the cortisol and you're raising your progesterone. So okay. you can see how that's like a really, really powerful combination. So if you do a teaspoon or two of camu camu berry every day, and then a tablespoon or two of maca powder every day, um, then you're going to get, you're going to get some pretty good results pretty quickly. So. Okay. See, I've taken the maca and I'm actually on a product called Amazing Grass and it has maca in it. It has some sprouts yeah. in it. It has kind of like everything. I'm going to have to check and see if it has the camu camu that you were talking about. If not, then I may have to go get some, but I, I remember taking, and I wanted to ask you with the maca root, is it common for it to alter the menses a little bit at the beginning yes. of you taking it? Because that like freaked me out the first time I took it. I was like, oh my God, my period, I just got off my period. And then it seemed like I started spotting again. So I was like, what is going on? That was so weird. Yeah. I just kept taking it and it kind of like eventually balanced itself out, but it took a while. So if you're going to take it, make sure you have plenty of time for it to adjust in your system and do its job because that was kind of weird. That was kind of scary at first. I was like, what is going on? Crazy. Yeah. There's a lot of crazy stuff with your menstrual cycle that you can kind of pay attention to and see um, where you're at hormonally. There's, there are women who will start shedding stuff that's been in there for way too long. And it's, mm -hmm. it looks pretty disgusting and pretty scary yeah. at first. Um, but it's your body. It's, it's actually normalizing. So if it's like that at first, just be patient let it keep doing its thing. And then eventually it'll normalize. And then you'll have this beautiful, vibrant red blood that comes out every month and you won't have any more of the brown stuff, um, any more of the clots, any more of any of that kind of stuff. After a while, it just completely normalizes. So it's, it's a good thing. Let your body get rid of the gunk and don't freak out. It's okay. Yeah. Your body's getting rid of that stuff. Don't freak out like I did, you guys. Yeah, I, I always take you know notice of my menstrual. Ever since I had my fertility journey with my son, menses is what I pay attention to, what I'm feeling like, what my symptoms are during the menses. Like I take all of that into consideration. I was like, you know, what, my, my yeah. diet's messed up. Something's I'm eating too much bagels or something every day because you know I'll start getting pain again or I'll start getting bigger clots. Like I'm a clotter. And um, that's something my sister deals with too, but she has fibroids to explain hers. But my clotting, that's usually when I have pain. It'll be the first day of my cycle and it'll be because I have these clots coming out. And so I've been trying to minimize it lately this last year. And last year in 2019, 2018, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's like comes and goes. So I have to be really, I can't be really out there with my diet. I'm finding as I get older, I just can't. Yeah. I just cannot. My body is just like, look, girl, if you're going to eat right, eat right. If you're yeah. not, you're not. And it's really, it's really showing me that it's boss too, because, you know, I'm a few years older than I was trying to get pregnant before. So I found that um, the last six months specifically taking probiotics and making sure I'm getting enough fiber in my diet with prebiotics and feeding, you know, my, my, um, my good bacteria enough has really helped with that a lot of, a lot with my menses and my cervical mucus during fertile window has increased dramatically um, since I've been hey. on 
since I've been on probiotics. Is that something that you encourage people to pay attention to as well on their menses, especially for women and just taking note of their menses and what's happening? Absolutely, because your menses tells you a lot about your hormone balance, how everything in your health is going. Um, as women, it's the menstrual cycle is a gift. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we've been taught that, you know, avoid, oh, it's yucky, it's mm -hmm. disgusting, mm -hmm. whatever, don't, don't deal with it, all of that kind of stuff. It's a gift. It really it's is. beautiful. Like when you really piece it together. And it's interesting because I remember being in high school and all of my girlfriends would like complain, you know, oh, I'm on my period, blah, blah, blah. And I was always like, I kind of like it when I'm on my period. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's kind of cool. And I didn't know anything about what I know now, of course, at the time, but it's, it's interesting that I love the menstrual cycle so much because I, I would have always, there's always been something about it that's attracted me. Um, but it tells you so much about the health of your body and about a lot of things that are going on. Like I said, you want that beautiful, bright, vibrant red blood coming out. Um, if it's brown, that means it's been sitting in there too long. That means you've got a progesterone imbalance. Um, so you paying attention to that, getting that normalized. And then, you know, we could go, I could go off on a whole tangent to yeah, that. That's a whole I, other episode. I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> yeah, that is a whole other episode right there. But, um, but yeah, pay attention because if it's not that vibrant red blood, then something is off. And it doesn't mean something, something is wrong. You know, don't use the word wrong necessarily, but your hormone balance is not ideal. It's not okay. optimal. And so if you get your hormone balance more to that optimal state, then your body is more likely to be like, oh, yes, I'm ready to conceive a baby and carry a child to term. So um, so it's definitely something to pay attention to. Awesome. And, and estrogen, does it have any symptoms within the menses or any other time during our cycles, like coming up on ovulation that we could watch out for? Yeah, estrogen has a lot, has a big effect on, um, like you were talking about with the fertility, the mucus, okay. um, to show that you're fertile. It just, it throws off the whole balance because what estrogen does, if you've got excess estrogen in your system, is basically puts your body in birth control mode because gotcha. that's what birth control, birth control is, mm -hmm. estrogen. So, um, so if you've got too much estrogen, which is a BMI above 30, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not that into any of the numbers when it comes to, you know, counting fat or counting calories or any of that kind of stuff. But there is something to be said for if your BMI goes above 30, 32 in that range, then you've got enough fat cells that your body is producing too much estrogen mm. because that's what those fat cells do. They produce estrogen. And then we're also taking in estrogens from the environment from, you know, there's the xenoestrogens from our cleaning products. There's phytoestrogens in food like soy. I mean, if you start reading labels and paying attention, soy is in almost everything. And it's yeah. just ridiculous. I and try to avoid it at all costs when I learned yeah. that it's really not what we should be intaking in our diet. And people are really sensitive about it. So I don't really say too much about it. But for myself in my household, I try to avoid a lot of it, you know, yeah. especially when you're talking about milk, because they make a soy milk, too. You know, yeah. like they do the almond and the coconut milk. And I'm like, no, what is going on? But, you know, to, yeah. each, his own, you know, to each his own. So, um, yeah. Those are really good. I think, we could, I think we have a lot. I think we have a lot because we'll, we can be here for two hours if we get, yeah. if I ask you any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. It's so oh, fun now geez. talking about this stuff. You can just go on and on and on. But, yes. uh, Absolutely. but yeah, there's key points that you really want to take in, especially when you're first getting started. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed or do your best not to let yourself get overwhelmed because there is so much information out there. 
There's so, and at the end of the day, it's much more about being in tune with your body than it is about listening to me or, you know, some expert out there who's written whatever book. Like there's a lot of value to be gained in listening to people who have studied and been trained and know what they're talking about. I don't know your body the way that you know your body. And so I can't know your body. I know my body. I know my children's bodies, not even as well as I know mine, but I know I can have a certain amount of say over their bodies. But another person, like, I think that we need to focus more on intuition and getting to the root of why are you not listening to your body more than, hey, do this, do X, Y, and Z. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. 100%. I, I, yeah, I've said it before and it's helped me lose a lot of weight after conceiving my son and he was born early, but I gained a lot of weight while nursing because it just makes you eat. And I probably, and I wasn't always eating the right foods either. And it was summertime when he was nursing a lot um, after he came home from the nuke, it was summertime. So we were going to the beach and, you know, eating pancakes and eating all those things and stuff like that. So I had gotten pretty, pretty, pretty hefty in, in my weight category. And for my height, I'm only 5'4". I was like 193 at my heaviest when he turned one years old. And I was like, this has got to stop. Like, this is not healthy. This is not who I was before I had him. Like, I'm not going to do this to myself. And I'm getting close to 40. I encourage you guys to do what you can. I know that some people are born into families who are just, they just carry more weight, which is fine. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're unhealthy too. We don't want to shame anyone for their body types, but I know for me, I had to do better and um, I'm still trying to get down to my my, my um, ideal weight for my height. But making small changes is, is, I think, is one of the big things that September is telling us today repeatedly through her message and through her wisdom with food knowledge and fertility is that we take it, you know, one day at a time and not to uh, overwhelm ourselves. But thank you, September. You've given us so much. I mean, like, if you guys weren't taking notes, you have to go back and listen because it's a lot in this episode, little bits of nugget everywhere all through it. And I hope you guys enjoyed it and give us your feedback and you can reach September. Where's your, your name of your website? If you want to give it out, your email September. So my website, septemberburton.com, um, email September at septemberburton.com. You can find me all over social media. It's a very uncommon name. So very <laughs> just September Burton. Um, that six-week nutrition plan is available through Hawaii Surrogacy. So you can go to hawaiisurrogacy.com slash nutrition. And um, that's where you can get that six-week plan from. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to answer emails and help anybody in any way that I can. Yes. Thank you so much, September. And hopefully I can get you back so we can talk more about sustaining our progesterone levels and estrogen levels and all those good things nutritionally. Thank you guys so much for listening to Infertility and Me podcast. You heard it here first with September Burton. Just take it one day at a time, guys. Peace and blessings.